Welcome to Health Cetera's podcast. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, known as SNAP, is a federal anti-hunger program that provides financial assistance for food purchases to lower-income Americans. The SNAP program is the largest anti-hunger program in the nation, and the benefits of enrolling in the program reach beyond preventing hunger. SNAP enrollees experience better overall health, fewer emergency room visits, and fewer long-term care hospital admissions than non-enrolled lower-income Americans. However, trends in SNAP enrollment have indicated that older Americans, specifically those over 50, are underrepresented among those registered to receive benefits. Misconceptions about who is eligible for SNAP necessary technology access and know-how to complete the SNAP application, and general attitudes toward reliance on government assistance are just a few of the reasons why eligible members of this vulnerable demographic may be forgoing their SNAP benefits. On this podcast, registered nurse Diana Mason hosts Nicole Berta, the AARP Director of Government Affairs, for a discussion about why eligible older adults may be hesitant to apply for SNAP benefits, how to encourage this demographic to enroll, and the available resources they may use to ease the application process. This podcast first aired on Health Cetera in the Catskills on WIOX Radio on September 7, 2022. We know that good nutrition is essential for healthy aging, but In 2020, nearly nine and a half million adults aged 50 and older were food insecure. Five million of those were 60 years of age and older. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, which many people know as the food stamp program, that's not what it is anymore, it's called SNAP, It is the nation's largest anti-hunger program and provides financial assistance to many low-income and food insecure people and families to help buy the food they need. But eligible older adults have historically had much lower participation in SNAP than those in other age groups. AARP is shining a light on this issue, and here to talk about it with us is Nicole Berda, the AARP Director of Government Affairs. Nicole, welcome to Health Center in the Catskills. Thank you, Diana. Thank you for having me on today. So tell us a little bit more briefly about the SNAP program for those who may not be aware of it. Yeah, so you did a really good job covering it. SNAP, which stands for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, provides financial assistance to low-income individuals and families to help them buy the food they need. And that can include older adults living on a fixed income. Just like you said, it's the nation's largest anti-hunger program and a lifeline for millions of people, including adults ages 50 and older. Older adults may face life challenges as they age, such as a health crisis, Uh, job loss or the death of a spouse or other loved one that might result in financial instability and make it difficult to afford food. And that's where SNAP comes in. It provides benefits on a card that looks much like a debit card or a credit card that the individual can then use. They go into the store um, and they use it just like a debit card and they buy food with it. 
And I believe that up in our region, we have a lot of farmer's markets, and I believe many of those markets also take that card. Do you know about that <clears throat> in rural areas? That's correct. That's correct. Many, many farmers markets have, you know, signed up for it. Different retailers have signed up for it. So um, typically they'll have a sign saying SNAP EBT accepted, um, and then you'll know you'll be able to use your card there. So why is it important for older adults to know about this and to get on the SNAP program? You know, People have Social Security, they have, maybe they have a little retirement fund. Um, who qualifies and why should they, why does it matter? Absolutely. I think, you know, you hit on something there. It's especially today with inflation and higher costs of groceries, SNAP is critical for older adults either living on a tight budget, um, living on a fixed income it's really helpful to supplement the food budget. So what, one thing that we do know also is that access to an adequate and nutrition diet is foundational to maintaining health, it's foundational to the quality of life, and to being able to stay independent as we age. Um, the other thing you know that we know is there's about 8.7 million households with at least one adult age 50 or older participating in SNAP. That's the 2019 number, which is kind of the uh, latest data that we have there. Um, and, and for those who participate in SNAP, we also know that it helps to reduce food insecurity. And it also helps to move people out of poverty, and it's linked with improved health outcomes. So we've been, over the years, we're seeing growing evidence that suggests SNAP is associated with fewer inpatient hospitalizations, fewer emergency department visits, and also fewer long-term care admissions among older adults. We've also taken a look because during the pandemic, uh, benefits increased to acknowledging, you know, just the, the really difficult and challenging times we were all going through. So the benefits were boosted a little bit. And we, we found that that boost in benefits helped participants purchase healthier food and also had a positive impact on their health. So why... Why don't older adults who would qualify for SNAP enroll in the program? What do we know about yeah, that? That's, that's a million-dollar question, <laughs> and there are a variety of reasons for this. Um, so there, there's, there's a variety of reasons, and, and some of the common reasons for not participating in SNAP include a confusing or burdensome application process, it also includes sometimes some stigma that's attached to the program, and then also a discomfort with technology for if you're going through the application process online versus in person. Um, and some people, you know, I, I think we can, we can all attest to this at a certain level that it can be difficult to ask for help when you need help sometimes. And after having supported yourself for so many years, it can be hard to accept something that feels like a, a handout. Um, and this, this kind of sentiment aligns with a survey that we recently conducted in which the most commonly cited reason for why older adults have not applied for SNAP benefits was tied to the value of independence and self-reliance, just really not wanting to depend on a government program and wanting to take care of themselves and their families. There are also a number of misconceptions around SNAP. Um, some of the, the big misconceptions around SNAP include that 
thinking the program is only meant for families with children um, mm -hmm. and that it's not for also for older adults. And then another one is that if some people think that if they're on the program, that means they're taking away benefits from somebody else if they applied. But in fact, SNAP is for people of all ages, um, and the program can also handle any number of participants. It's, it's meant to expand and contract a change um, with need. And so I think all of this underscores the importance of SNAP outreach, awareness, education efforts, just like just like this conversation we're having today to, to shine the light on what SNAP is um, and how to get on SNAP. I, I have to admit to you, here I am a nurse, I have to admit that I, in my head, it was families that we were talking about, not older adults. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly in where we are in the Catskills, there's a high rate of poverty. And it includes, we're a very mm -hmm. aging population here. And so it just when I read about the work that you're doing on this and trying to raise awareness of the eligibility of SNAP for older adults, I thought, wow, if I didn't know it, I bet there are a lot of people in this county that don't know it and who would qualify for it. Um, and, and at the end, I, I'm going to share with people, uh, if you think you may qualify or you know somebody who might, um, how in Delaware County you can you can uh, sign up for it or at least find out if you're eligible. So... Um, you found, I, I was surprised at the amount of variation you found by state. Why is that? Yeah, so this is, this is really interesting. You know, there are a number of factors that we believe are driving the, the variation by state. And one thing I would note is that all states had a fairly low access rate, um, but they ranged. We found significant variation ranging from 12% in Wyoming to 61% in Washington, D.C. And New York was not far behind D.C. It, was, it had a 48% access rate. So uh, compared to all states, they're, they're doing fairly well. They're ranked fourth highest in the nation. Um, but getting back to your question about what's, what's driving at that variation, um, you know, we think some of it might be tied to average income in the state, the state, state SNAP policy. So uh, states have the opportunity and option to, uh, to take advantage and to kind of change and, and um, put forward different policies for how they want to kind of implement SNAP in the state that then you get a wide variation in implementation across the U.S. Um, we're seeing that low access rates in states may be the result of a number of factors, um, again, in income, barriers to SNAP enrollment, or because people don't think that they will receive um, a high enough benefit that makes it worth going through that application process. And then states with high access rates could have expansive state-level policies. They're taking advantage of these state options that then allow more people to be eligible for SNAP. And some high-access states could also be operating their SNAP programs in ways that reduce barriers to enrollment and really help more people enroll in SNAP. So I, I suspect that even though New York State is ranking pretty well, and I know that it takes advantage of those state options, that probably there's a disproportionate uh, or a gap, if you are, a disparity between the urban and rural areas. Um, and I, I don't know if you have county-level data or anybody has county-level data on, um, on older adults and 
uh, percent of participation in the SNAP program, but I'd be very interested in that if you did. Um, I, I, the, a lot of there's a lot of differences here in upstate and downstate, and having lived both in New York City and now upstate and in rural New York, um, those differences are pretty stark. Um, is the data available by county? So we currently don't have that data. We okay. the research we just put out was kind of first of and groundbreaking in a way, and I think that would be the that makes sense as the next step to follow up. And in fact, exactly exactly what you're saying, our AARP New York office reached out immediately. They said this report is wonderful. Where is uh-huh. um, the data broken down at? You know, at the district level, at the county level, zip code, um, and so I think you know, I think there's there's a lot of interest in getting more granular data there. And I, I do want to point out to listeners, there is a state chapter of uh, a New York state chapter of AARP, uh, at, or a New York state office at, of AARP. And it's nice to know that they are interested in that report. And if you're active in AARP, you might want to see what you can do to uh, help support this and get the word out. I think part of it is getting the word out to our community. Now, people may wonder, well, if I go to the effort of signing up, what kind of how what's the benefit how much is the benefit going to be worth how much do i get every month how is that determined yeah absolutely so you're generally just a really broad level you're looking at income level money coming in there's some deductions you take into account um and when you're looking specifically at folks in new york the benefit amount for a household with somebody 50 or older is $178 a month on average, and that breaks down to about $1.95 per meal. So on average, it's just under $2 a meal. It's not a lot, but it definitely helps. Um, And I would also note that uh, these are numbers that we crunched in 2021, um, and that 2021 is based on data from 2019, (laughs) and so numbers have gone up. We know that numbers have gone up from there, but um, that data set is not available yet, so I did want to make that point. I also wanted to say that about half of the households participating in SNAP in New York are actually receiving the maximum benefit amount. For a single household in 2019, that was $194. Today, it's $250 a month. Oh. Um, and that gets that gets adjusted every year. It looks at um, this mathematical calculation, essentially, and takes into account inflation. And then I think one of the misnomers is thinking that all older adults are going to receive the minimum amount. Disproportionately, if you look at Everybody receiving the minimum amount, it is older adults. But when you're looking at New York, only 9% of all SNAP households participating in SNAP. Um, Of those households, 9% are older adult households. And the minimum amount today is $20 per month. Now, how many hoops do you have to jump through to sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... Luckily, also in New York, they just started rolling out the Elderly Simplified Application awesome. Project, ESAP. Um, we have a lot of fun acronyms in yeah. the SNAP world, and, and that's supposed to make things a little bit easier. So I think things are going to be getting a little bit easier. Um, there is also 
in New York, I believe they carry out a thing called CAP, which is the Combined Application Project. Um, and New York is one of the lucky few, only 17 states participate in this at the moment. And um, that, that one makes it easier. So as you're enrolling in SSI, uh, it's almost, it's not quite automatic, but you can enroll at the same time in SNAP, which makes things a lot easier. And we've seen a greater uptake there as well because of it. Great. So what do we need to do? What, what should we be doing to make sure that those who need the SNAP program get into it? Yeah, so a number of things. And before I highlight you know, the things we need to do, I did want to mention that there are a lot of older adults who are eligible but not enrolled. That it, it was one of the things that our research really pointed to and I think stood out was that around 16 million older adults who are eligible for SNAP are not participating. So there's 16 million people who are low income, struggling to put food on the table that are not enrolling in SNAP. Um, this has the low participation rate among older adults has been a historical problem despite the many positive benefits of SNAP. But prior to this research, we didn't have a sense of the full magnitude. Um, and then the other thing that we found out through our research was that of those 16 million eligible but not enrolling, more than 3 million would have received $200 or more per month. So that's a substantial benefit amount that could really help someone who's struggling to put food on the table. And that tells us that some folks just might not be aware of the benefit level that they could be receiving or they might be facing some sort of barrier to applying. And and that's where we can really come in with different policy changes to make that easier to elevate awareness, to do some outreach work, and then also to potentially whether it's simplify the application process um, or, you know, making the certification period longer for older adults so that they don't, once they're on, they don't lose the program. Um, there, there are a number of different policy options there, and we have two really big opportunities coming up on the, on the upcoming horizon for making those changes, and one of which is the White House Hunger Conference. And the White House is holding this conference on September 28th, and the goal of it is to end hunger and increase healthy eating and physical activity by 2030. Um, and through this, we're calling for a full government and full cross-sector approach to improve food access and affordability. And that includes finding ways to connect eligible older adults to SNAP. And then the second big opportunity is the reauthorization of the Farm Bill. And this, the, the Farm Bill is essentially a comprehensive piece of legislation that authorizes most federal policies that govern food and agriculture programs. So this is a really good time to call for changes to SNAP that improve access to the program for older adults. Great. And I think, Dana, you, you made the point yourself, I, and I will, I just will underscore and agree with you that at the individual level, we can get the word out just like we're doing today. We can, we, you know, we can all help by letting our, our friends, our family, our neighbors know that SNAP is there to help. And for those people in Delaware County who are interested in seeing if they're eligible, you can go to DelawareOpportunities.org. Delaware Opportunities, our one-stop shop social service uh, organization here in the county. And you can, um, so contact them 
and uh, see if you're eligible and they can probably help you to sign up for uh, the benefits if you qualify. You can also go to the county website itself, co.delaware.ny.us. That's co.delaware.ny.us. And Nicole Berta, uh, AARP Director of Government Affairs, uh, any other uh, resources that you think our listeners should be aware of? The one I would add is Hunger Solutions New York. They are fantastic. They have a ton of excellent resources, including information on how to get one-on-one help applying for SNAP. And their website is hungersolutionsny.org. HungerSolutionsNY.org. Excellent, excellent. Well, Nicole Berta, thank you so much for coming on to Health Center in the Catskills and talking with us today about what I think is a really important issue, and I'm grateful that AARP has taken it on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana. You've been listening to a podcast of Health Center in the Catskills. For more podcasts and discussions of important health issues and policies affecting health, go to Health Cetera's website and blog at www.healthmediapolicy.com. That's www.healthmediapolicy.com. This podcast was produced by Dr. Diana Mason and production assistant Kai Volsey.